0: This is Dr. Moss, and you're tuned in to Theologically Speaking. Um, Today I'll be talking about the doctrine of justification as well as the doctrine of sanctification and their difference. Now, Satan brought death into heaven and death to himself. We're talking about a being who no doubt had authority and power over much of the universe He had not only had something to do with the physical universe, but had access to the very throne and the area of God. It's captured in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, where it gives the account of his sin. Um, And then in Luke chapter 10 and 18, Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. The angels were going through a probationary period in which they were to solidify their wills to God, holiness, and righteousness. And God populates his universe with free will beings who will respond to his love and who want to do his will. Satan produced the flaw in his nature. This led to the rebellion of angels and the subsequent war in heaven satan will be um, forever crystallized in evil and unrighteousness he doomed himself and all of the other fallen angels who followed him as well this was their choice not god's and we find ourselves at the center of this great battle every human being is being contested for the universe is the battleground and we cannot see this gigantic this uh uh, enormous gigantic battle going on it is a war far greater than all of the wars of man the central figures in this war are jesus christ the righteous angels satan and his angels. Present day space is not pure in the sight of God. It must be cleansed, mean redeemed. The earth must be cleansed before humans themselves are changed into perfection. And it, it's taken thousands of years but the end is now approaching where humans are still being born on earth Millions of these humans are destined for this fabulous perfected universe. They will take the place of the fallen angels who went with Satan. They will rule over the new heavens, the new earth with Jesus Christ. They must now be allowed to be born to make their decisions to determine their own destiny. When the right number have been spiritually born again, they will be swept up into the sky and there will take place um, as the new sons of God. Let's look at the scripture. We don't have to guess or do anything. Revelations chapter seven. I'm sorry. Revelations chapter 12, verse seven. Soon there will be a final space battle. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. And neither was their place found any more in heaven. And a great dragon was cast. He was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. In the recording of that great battle, we find Satan, the accuser, is already. He is ready to condemn man before God. No doubt he accuses man of being unrighteous. He accuses him of being filled with sin therefore not fit to enter into heaven, eternal bliss of being a child of God. Satan evidently doesn't agree with the fact that redeemed man has been justified by the grace of God and the shedding of the blood of Jesus for the atonement of not only our individual sins, but for the inherited Adamic sin. The angels were created individually. They were not Created a family by blood relationship, but they are created order. They do not possess physical bodies. Men have physical bodies. They are only, um, and they are one human family, men, blood related, chained by a heritage to Adam and Eve, one stream of a human life. And once and for all, Christ took upon himself the body of a man, He joined the human race and gave that life and body in death. Then he raised it from the dead and how he lives in that body forever. um, Salvageability was made for the race of man by Jesus becoming part of the race. This was not the case for the fallen angel. For the angels are to be redeemed. Christ would evidently have to have to die specifically for each one of them, every one of them individually. They were not connected by blood ties, each was individually created. And again, this is impossible for Christ to die for an angel because angels do not die. So we have been justified, adopted, and made part of God's great Family, Man has been given a second chance and we can now choose to come out of death into life or remain in Adam's death and ultimately share the same fate as the angels and Satan. Our standing before God at birth is it is one that is guilty. We're already lost, separated from God. And to change that standing before God, we must be justified or set forth as legally reborn creature. And it is not the rebirth experience itself, but the new position in Christ that the new birth experience gives. And That's where we come with justification. Justification is regeneration, and has to do with the change of your nature. You ought to say that with me. It's the change of my nature. And and, and justification changes uh, our nature. Actually, it's even more than that. It's the total rebirth of a once dead spirit, which, of course, does change our outward nature when we have been truly born again, our sin nature becomes overruled by our spiritual nature. All right, justification not only changes our nature, but it changes our legal position before God. As a lost soul, dead in sin and apart from God, according to his own laws, we are already sentenced to an everlasting punishment. Revelations 20 verse 15, it reads like this. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Imagine all this is futuristic. This is revelation. This hadn't happened yet. All this is what's telling you what's happening. And so justification changes um, your nature, but it also changes your position, your legal position. Justification changes that position. It's called regeneration has to do with our state of being. Justification has to do with our standing before God. So to justify does not mean to make one righteous, but rather to set forth as righteous, to declare righteous in a legal sense, is to put a person in a right relationship. It does not directly deal with character or conduct. It is a question of relationship. And both character and conduct will be controlled by this relationship. Oh, I feel it. Strictly speaking, justification is the the judicial act of God, whereby those who put faith in Christ are declared righteous in his eyes, and free from guilt and punishment. Justification depends on two things. Ready? Number one, the forgiveness of sin and the removal of the guilt and punishment of sin. Let's look in the Old Testament Micah, chapter 7, verse 18. Who is, I'm sorry, who is a God like unto thee that pardons iniquity? He will subdue our iniquities, and thou will cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. Yeah, who is God? Only God can do it. So the keepers of the law are not justified. Only born again can be justified. So keepers of the law are not justified. Only the born again. Are justified. In other words, so it's not by the works of the law, but it's by the grace. Romans 3 and 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh justified in his sight. Romans 3:19. Now we say, I'm sorry, now we know that these things whoever saith the law and says to them are under the law. Romans 7 and 6. But now we are delivered from the law, Galatians 3 and 21. For it has been given uh, a law which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. It's not. So we say we just keep going and going. We cannot merit or deserve it. It is freely granted without giving anything done on our part except the act of Repentance. And we are justified through faith by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, not by the observance of the Mosaic law. So uh, we see that how do we get it? It depends on two things, the forgiveness of sin and the removal of the guilt and punishment. Um, So justification. So, So we move from justification and we go over to adoption, regeneration begins with the new life in the spirit, it is the, it is the rebirth of man's dead spirit. Justification places us in a new position and an attitude with God. Now an adoption is a legal method of receiving us into his family of becoming a part of the family of God. It means taking one man's son to be the son of another with all the position and advantages of the son by birth. Galatians 4 and 5. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Thank you, Lord. Romans 8 and 15. You have received the spirit of adoption. (coughs) Now we cry. Yeah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Abba, Father. That is. Uh, Thank you, Lord. Adoption is also forever. Ephesians 1, chapter 4. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Christ Jesus to himself. There is no other provision for adoption than through the Savior, Jesus Christ. This omits any other way to become part of God's family. All must go through the one means that's been provided. That is the acceptance of Jesus Christ as our savior. Adoption takes place at the conversion. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Behold, watch well it behold. Now we are the sons of God. There are some who would have you believe that some ship is in some distant future, but it's not true. Now, the sons of God. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Every Christian claims, I'm a child of God. Now, Formerly, we were slaves. Now, we are sons. Hallelujah. We wait now only for Christ to return to complete our adoption. The plan has been established and executed. We wait only for Christ's return to complete the negotiations for our adoption to be fully realized. Our soul and our spirit have been renewed and our body's redemption from death is all that's left. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Romans 8 and 23, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 2. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Thank you, Lord. Here's the signs of adoption. We are led by the Spirit. Romans 8 and 4. Galatians 5 and 18. Here's some more signs. We have a childlike confidence in God. We have boldness and access to Christ, Ephesians 3 and 12. Guess what? We love the brethren, 1 John 2, 9 through 11. We are obedient. Well, some of this are rude, some of y'all, y'all sure y'all can. We are obedient. By this, 1 John 5 and 2, by this we know. You ready? By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. And then the third area, we'll talk today and almost final would be sanctification. Now sanctification has a dual meaning. It's the separation from evil, and dedication unto God for service. So it's not a long dress. It's not no makeup. It's not your hair in a bun or covered your face up or wearing ugly suits and ugly shoes and and. Abstaining from all things that we've been doing. Put some lipstick and some earrings on, please. And uh, some of you take some off. And so sanctification is, is a separation of evil and a de- dedication unto God. Why? For service. Second Chronicles 29. Sanctify now not yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord of God. And carry forth the filthiness out of the holy places. And, and they went in to Hezekiah the king and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord. And many believe this must be accomplished before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit can be realized. Alright, so, the sanctification from evil. Remember, I said sanctification. Area one is separation from evil. Second part would be set apart for service. John 10, 36 says, Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world. As God sent Jesus into the world, so Jesus sends us out to do God's will. And Christ was sanctified for the work that he did and is doing. And so we are um, to be sanctified for service. And so I just want to just show you some things that are, uh, I'm sorry, I can't show you, but let me tell you some things that um, is the formula. Let me give you the formula for total sanctification. All right. So the means of, sec- of sanctification, the, the first part is by the word. John 17 and 17, it says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Second, by the blood, Hebrews 13 and 12, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. So you're sanctified by the word, by the blood, and finally by the spirit. First Peter 1 and 2 is through the sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Now. What that formula consists of in a real physical sense is you read. You must read your Bible, you must be born again, and you must be spirit-filled. Did you understand me? By the word, by the blood, by the spirit, you got to read the Bible, you must be born again, and you must be spirit-filled. Now, the time of sanctification, glory. Is instant. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. Hebrews 10 and 10. There's an instantaneous view. There's a progressive view of sanctification. And then there's complete sanctification. And it will become permanent as Christ returns. So there are three types of sanctification instant, progressive, and complete. All right, so instant, 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. But you are washed, but you are sanctified by the justification of our name, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the spirit of our God. Then there's the progressive, 2 Peter, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. That's progressive. It takes time. You you don't just get saved and become uh, an expert a preacher, a teacher, a deacon. These are all supposed to be people who have been progressively changed over time, who have allowed God to change them. (coughs) And then it's the complete. The state of being whole means a complete in every part, every respect, complete in the spirit, which is that, so that we have to understand those things. All right, so... Um, That's a, a, a glimpse of a very large and many different areas in scriptures and scriptures and theological debate. But I wanted to bring you that sanctification as well. All right. So there are two main views as we um, just kind of review it. All agree that we will become permanently sanctified at Christ's return. And the glorification of the body of Christ. However, the opinion is divided to whether we are instantly sanctified, or if it's gradual, or if it's progressive only. And those believing in the instant sanctification usually refer to the experience as the second work of grace. That's out. That's like a salvation, a work safe And the second work of grace would be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I believe that we are both instantly and progressively sanctified by which is taught by the Holy Scriptures. That we experience an, an instant sanctification at the time we are washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. An instant when our very minds, actions, deeds, interests are all made pure and clean. We must also believe that there is a day by day purging of the old man. It's necessary to maintain the possession and the position of sanctification. And no one can argue the necessity of progression sanctification because perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Second Corinthians seven. And let's look at verse number one. We'll talk about that even more. Hey, next time we'll pick up. We'll talk about the study of. Um satan and um and angels and go from there hey it's dr moss till the next time